We're, we're finishing up this section in Lamentations. So if you have a copy of God's Word, go ahead and turn to Lamentations chapter 5. This book has been heavy. And if you are a note taker, you are going to see that we have a lot of things to cover this morning. And so here's what I'm going to plan on doing. I'm going to click through to fill up the slides with all the fill-in-the-blank things so that you can just see that. And then as I go, you can, you can fill that in, okay? Uh, and then because I know human nature or a little bit about it, uh, I will try to have the least important things I say at the beginning of each slide. So as you mentally check out to write everything down, you don't miss any of the really important stuff. Does that make sense if you're anything like me? Uh, and so that's what, what I hope to do uh, this morning. As she walked past the empty room, it felt like a hammer to her chest. You see, that room was supposed to have her daughter in it. And right now it didn't. And in fact, not just right now it didn't, but it, it, it never would. And although she kept the door shut, she didn't have to see in there to know what was behind it. All of her things were still on the shelf. All the pictures were still on the wall. All of the artwork. In fact, the bed was still unmade. The way that she left it. And she kept the door shut because she knew that she couldn't walk past the room having the door open and seeing in there. And she thought, she, she wanted to fool herself, right? She, she wanted to have the door shut so that as she walked down the hallway, this empty bedroom that was now empty forever... That she could just see the door, not the room, and she felt like maybe that would help her get through it. You see, pain is inevitable. And we need to be prepared before it gets here. Pain creates strong emotions, and we need to know what to do with them and how to deal with them. Pain doesn't always go away quickly, it's not always clean. But pain provides opportunity. So as we've been walking through this, you probably know by now, to lament means to have a loud cry. Scripture is full of pain. The Psalms are full of pain. And so as we're going to be in Lamentations chapter 5, as we talk about finding grace in grief, I also want to take you into some Psalms to kind of do a flyover of the Psalms as we talk about learning how to lament because through this book, we've been taught that. If you've been paying attention, you've been taught that. And if you haven't been, then today's your lucky day because we're going to look at some in-depth four things that Jeremiah has taught us, that scripture overall kind of teaches us generally about the process of lamenting and, and how to go about godly complaining like we talked about and how to bring those pains to God and, and have him allow our hearts to receive the opportunities that he brings through them. And so this is good not only for you if you're going through a, a dark season, this is good for you to know for others who are going through a dark season because often as Christians we just don't know what to say or what to do. And we started the series with how we're going to end it. A lot of times we come in and we greet one another and we're like, how are you? And we know that culturally, the only acceptable answer, regardless of what's going on in your life, the only acceptable answer that we're prepared to deal with is, I'm fine. How are you? Or good. How are you? 
I would tend to challenge you as we look after, after today's message, I would tend to challenge you two things. One, just say hello. Don't ask how people are doing unless you're really prepared to deal with that. Secondly, as a Christian and as our fellowship of believers, like I said at the beginning, I'll say now at the end, this should be a space where if you come in here and you're not doing fine, then tell us. Let us love you. Let us walk with you. And so to give you an idea of what I'm talking about in Psalms, this is how people break up the books of, or all the Psalms in the different, I know that sounded weird to you. It, technically, there's like a couple different books of Psalms, all right? But that's unimportant for us. As we break up the 150 Psalms, this is how they're kind of broken up. And so you can see the large amount of lament that's actually there. We've got praise, trust, hymns, thanksgiving, wisdom, royal, and then laments. Do you see that? That's the biggest portion. I don't know if you even realized that. And so as you go to God in prayer and as we apply today's message, Christians, listen, there's a lot that the Psalms have. The Psalter is full of laments and we can use that as the medicine for our hearts that God has given to us. And so as we look at this, lament can be personal or it can be corporate. Uh, Jeremiah is going to show us Sorry, I'm jumping ahead. Jeremiah is going to show us four things. There's most laments have an address to God, a complaint, a request, and then an expression of trust. So that's what we're going to see this morning. And so I want to read Lamentations chapter 5, a couple selections from that, and we're going to wrestle with God in a God-honoring way to help to allow him to help maneuver us through the pains that we experience in this life. And so the way that I've structured this is we're going to see the pursuit, the protest, the plead, and then the triple whammy, practicing patient perseverance. Okay, so let's read the text together. Or I'll read, you just read in your, in your head. Um, Remember, O Lord, what has befallen us. Look and see our disgrace. Our inheritance has been turned over to strangers, our homes to foreigners. We have become orphans, fatherless. Our mothers are like widows. The joy of our hearts, this is verse 15 now jumping down. The joy of our hearts has ceased. Our dancing has been turned to mourning. The crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us for we have sinned. For this is our, for this our heart has become sick. For these things our eyes have grown dim, for Mount Zion, which lies desolate, jackals prowl over it. But you, O Lord, you reign forever. Your throne endures to all generations. Why do you forget us forever? Why do you forsake us for so many days? Restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew our days as of old, unless... You have utterly rejected us, and you remain exceedingly angry with us. So as I said, we're going to see these four practices, and I, I hope that you can then put them into practice yourself. As Jeremiah has taught us, hopefully today we can all together learn to lament as we find grace, even in our grief. Let's pray. God, our Father in heaven, we do thank you for texts like this. We thank you that your Bible is so utterly real. And you don't pull punches. God, help us as we learn to lament, not only today, but through this life. Bring us back to these principles. 
Help us put these into practice, for they, they are a balm for our souls. You and your Holy Spirit is a divine teacher. Use this text then, God, we pray, to bring us closer to you, to bring us into deeper fellowship with you. Prepare us to either go through trials and tribulations or help us as we seek to support those who are going through them in our own lives and friends and family that we know. We thank you, God, for texts like this. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So as we look through here, the the first one, and uh, like I said, we'll just do this for you this morning so you can do that, is the first lesson is to pursue or to keep turning to prayer. And that's the first thing in learning to lament because quite honestly, if you are anything like me, and I hope that you are, uh, because uh, otherwise that means that I'm not normal. So I, I hope that you're like me. Uh, but when, when I am down, when I am depressed, when I am battling, when I'm in a dark situation in my life, I don't always want to pray. I don't always want to come to God. And, and so I, I, I hope that after today that this will not be true of, of either of us. If you're in that same camp with me, but even as we look at the text this morning uh, from Lamentations 5, he starts with, remember, O Lord. And by the way, I want to point out to you that Lamentations 5, right, does not start with how. You remember, so far we've been going through and it started with this how, 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 how. He starts with Remember, O Lord. And so what we've seen all through the book of Lamentations is Jeremiah continues to turn to prayer. He pursues God. That's the top P in the box. If you're a box, then you're like, he didn't say that. I I did several times now. It's pursue. Okay, so keep turning to God. And so if you look in your copy of God's Word, verses 1, 15, 19, 21, uh, I have those bolded in my text. Remember, O Lord, what has befallen us. Look and see our disgrace. The joy of our hearts has ceased. Our dancing is turned to mourning. But you, O Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures to all generations. Restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. And like I promised you, there's also psalms that talk about this and give us these laments. And so it's not going to be upon the screen. But again, if you're a note taker, Psalm 77. And you can look this up on your own, but I'm going to read to you some parts of that text. Psalm 77, or if you're quick, you can turn there, I suppose. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the days of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. Going down to verse 7, he says, Will will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love ceased forever? That's that said that we were talking about, right? That covenantal love. He's asking these questions. Are his promises uh, at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? And so the first thing, number one of all this is cry out to God. Why to God? That seems a little self-explanatory, Pastor. No, no, no. I think sometimes we cry out at God. And that's different. When we cry out at God, that is angry and that is sinful, potentially. We need to remember to cry out to God. From where does our help come from? 
sadness can lead to despondency. Sadness can lead to a place where, like I just said for myself, and I hope that this isn't the case for you, but where I don't even want to pray. So the first thing we have to understand is we need to continue to cry out to God because when we have stopped crying out to God, that is actually a sign that our faith is failing. You know, Jesus told us to continue to seek, knock, ask, right? And in the text, if, if, if you know this or if you've heard sermons on this before, uh, a preacher will probably tell you, you know, that, that's this, the, the tense of this means to continuously pursue after this. Anyone can cry. Anyone can complain. It is very Christian. It is very faith-filled to continue to come to God. You have to remember that Satan is the one who seeks to separate us from God. And so he uses the circumstances of our lives to say things like, if God really loved you then, or if he really cared for you then, or if God was going to answer your prayers then. But James 4.8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. And so first we have to remember that we need to cry out to God, not at God, not about God, not any of those other things, but crying out to God. He is our Father. The second thing is to pray the gospel. The gospel gives us access to God in prayer, does it not? It is only through Christ that his ears can be opened to us. Otherwise, if we are left in our unbelief, Scripture says, and we have to deal with that, that his ears are stopped to the wicked. And so it is only through the cleansing of the blood of the Lamb that we are made spotless, that we are given that open avenue to even come to God in the first place. Matt, I'm sorry, Matthew, I'm on a first name basis. When, <laughs> Matthew and Luke, in both of those Gospels, Jesus teaches us to pray, Our Father in heaven. But we can only pray our Father in heaven if we have Jesus as our brother. If we have been born again, it is only by the Spirit that we can be born into this family and made alive. And so we have to, as we pray, pray the gospel. Our Father is who we are praying to, not just some nameless God. And then thirdly, the reason we have to continue to pray, keep pursuing, keep Turning to prayer is because prayer turns our hearts. And I think for a lot of times and a lot of situations, that is more important than God dealing with the situation. Because if God does not continue to turn our hearts, eventually our hearts turn themselves. And our hearts turn hard if left to themselves. They turn hard to other people. They turn hard to him. They turn hard to the situation. So prayer turns our hearts and it forces us to place ourselves at the foot of the cross. It forces us to, to acknowledge that I don't have it all figured out. That life isn't always the way we wanted it to be. Remember the questions I asked last week of you, you know? At this stage in my life, I didn't expect, you know, whatever, and you, and you fill in the blank for whatever that was for you. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Prayer keeps our pain in context. 
Praying the gospel keeps our pain in context. And so I, I want to encourage you this morning that this is not just a take it for granted point. The first thing we have to learn about lament is to continue to pray, to ask, to seek, to knock, to not grow weary with praying. It is never, ever wasted. And so please pursue. And so the next thing that we're taught through Lamentations and uh, that I want to talk about this morning is to protest. And so this is where we talked about, you know, godly complaining. And you were like, I don't know, Pastor, you're really going to have to uh, convince me of this one. Well, good. I'm glad you're here this morning. I, I would like to. And so please give me the opportunity to do that. But uh, uh, first, a quote as we uh, bring our protests, bring our complaints uh, to the Lord. James Montgomery Boyce. I don't know if you've heard the name. Um, there was the, the seminary that I went to, um, the undergrad section of that was uh, the. Boyce College, Uh, and so James Montgomery Boyce from 1938 to 2000, uh, pastored at the 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia, and and this is what he said about bringing our complaints to the Lord. He said, it is better to ask them these questions, even tough questions, it's better to ask them than not to ask them, because asking them sharpens the issue and pushes us towards the right positive response. And so we can bring our frustrations and we can bring our questions. And so again, I have some Psalms here that are not going to be on the screen, but I want to read with you. But if, if you want to look at Lamentations 5, you can look at verses 2, 16 through 18, 20 to see some of these questions that Jeremiah is asking because of this. But, but the first text I want to take you to is to Hosea. Talking about one of the patriarchs of the faith, it says, he strove with the angel and prevailed. He wept and sought his favor. He met God at Bethel, and there God spoke with us. And so as we bring our frustrations and as we bring our questions, I think sometimes as Christians we're even afraid to ask these questions because we feel like they are disobedient. We feel like they're wrong to ask. We feel like that they're just, how can, you, how can you say that to God? How can you ask that to God? We, we feel like they're faithless. But I believe scripture teaches us exactly the opposite of that. So I want to encourage you to bring your questions to God, to wrestle with God. He, you won't outlast him. You won't outdo him. You're, you can't outwisdom him. So it's okay to bring your questions, your heartfelt questions. And I believe that if you are genuinely asking them, he will, can answer them for you. So let's go through the Psalms, right? Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? From the words of my groaning. It's a pretty powerful question. Psalm 10, 1. Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Psalm 43. Awake, why are you sleeping, O Lord? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face? Why do you forget our affliction and oppression? Psalm 80. Why then have you broken down its walls so that all who pass along the way pluck its fruit? Psalm 88, 14. O Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? 
Psalm 13, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day long? Uh, How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Psalm 35, how long, O Lord, will you look on? Rescue me from their destruction, from my precious life from the lions. Psalm 7410, how long, O God, is the foe to scoff? How long is the enemy to revile your name? Forever? Psalm 94.3, O Lord, how long shall the wicked, how long shall the wicked exalt? In the text here, there's a comma. He can't even finish that sentence. How long shall the wicked come? How long shall the wicked exalt? You can almost hear the frog in his throat as he's trying to say this. Maybe it'd be the frog in his wrist as he pens it, I guess. Psalm 137, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? Lamentations 5. Our inheritance has been turned over to strangers, our homes to foreigners. That's a pretty serious complaint. He's complaining and saying, this is the promised covenant that you gave to Abraham, and now it's being taken from us. 16 through 18, the crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us, for we have sinned. For this, is the heart, our, for this our heart has become sick. For these things our eyes have grown dim. For Mount Zion, which lies desolate, jackals prowl over it. They're desolate in verse 20. This is, so those are complaints, right? This is a question. Why do you forget us forever? Why do you forsake us for so many days? So here's the points. Godly complaining, firstly and foremostly, come humble. All of these questions, all of these complaints, they are valid, they are true. They are emotionally felt. They are real. They are raw. I hope, maybe even this morning, they made you slightly uncomfortable. All of that is okay. Because all of these, they're in God's word, right? Timothy, all scripture is God-breathed. It's profitable for us. So, So if that is true, these are recorded for your edification, for my edification. These are recorded for us to see that there is a way that we can godly complain, that we can protest things that we see in this world in a right, God-honoring, biblical way. And this is what it's showing us. But James gives us clarity. He says, God gives us more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. James 4.10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. So these are protests, these are complaints, not ultimately at the heart of them questioning God's holiness, his righteousness, his love, his character. They're not what they are. Or they're wrestling questions and saying, God, I believe all those things of you. I know you're good. I know you're holy. I know you're righteous. I know that you're loving. I know all those things. I know the covenant that you've promised us. And so now, but I'm left in, in the view of the situation that seems so untenable with that, that I have to come to you and say, can, can you help me here? Can, can you give the medicine to my heart? Because I feel it getting sick. The next thing is here is, is just be honest. Again, these questions are, are raw and they are real. I don't know if you watch the news much. If you do, it's probably a different kind of news than I watch. I, I don't know. I don't like the regular network news, any of them. Um, 
because they all just talk about us, America. I guess that makes sense. This is our country. But have you, do you know what's going on in um, Africa and in Malaysia and in Su- Sudan, which I guess is, I don't, I don't know my geometry on, or geometry. <laughs> but just honestly, basically there's like only one thing that I kind of know, and it's the, everything else. God had, I had to push all that stuff out so that there'd be enough space. I'm, I have limited capacity. So yeah, I don't know geometry or geography. So what I was saying is this. There's things going on all over the globe, things that I, I, I hope would break your heart. There are people who are starving. As we were reading through Lamentations, then they did this interview of this mother who has already lost one child. And in the interview, she says, I am unable to produce enough milk. I'm afraid this other child is going to pass away. And I'm thinking, Jeremiah just talked about that. And we can bring those things because I struggle with that. I read, I see this on the news, I hear about this, and I think to myself, God, you say you're for orphans and you're for widows, and then I see this, this is a broken world. Even our own country, we see shootings and violence and all this different stuff and people seem so utterly wicked. It it, it appears to me, this is a tangent, it appears to me that God in his sovereign timing is removing his hand of gracious restraint on on, on a world that it seems to be spiraling into chaos. And yet, all of my concerns, they're answered in Christ. They're answered in the cross. They're answered in his character and in his nature and so we can be honest hebrews 4 15 yeah 4 15 says for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are and yet without sin which means that when christ was on the cross and he is uh verbalizing the scripture that he has memorized out of Psalm 22 when he says my god my god why are you forsaking me that for him that was That was a true, real lament, and yet he never doubted that God wasn't actually leaving him. To the fullest extent, Jesus was experiencing that which we, as mere humans, can also then relate to. That is why he is the perfect sacrifice for us. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Romans eight twenty six. likewise, the scripture helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray as we ought. But the spirit himself intercedes with us as groanings with too deep for words. So we can be honest and you don't have to worry. Sorry, I'm going to blow my nose and it's going to come through. You mute. Thank you. Good. So you can be as open and as honest and as raw with Jesus if you want. And here's the thing. You've got a divine filter on your face. It's called the Holy Spirit. And whatever you say, the Holy Spirit, if your heart is coming humble and honest and trusting the Lord as we move through this process, you can protest and the Holy Spirit's going to say, we're going to clean this up a little bit before we bring this before the throne. And we have a great high priest 
who understands all the struggles that we go through and who is willing with open arms to say, yep, my shoulders are big. I can take all of those concerns. And so then the final part of this is don't just complain. Repent. Ask God to act. We can't just stop at complaining. Which brings me to my next point, and so we'll move on to that, because that is to plead. Ask boldly. Here's the... I think this is the one that has nine points, so we'll do it slide by side. We can't get all nine of them up here, but... So how do we do this? How do we not just stop at complaining? And, and, and by the way, uh, if you talk about this sermon later with, with anybody, or if you just think about it yourself, I want you to think through the process. What, if we were to just stop at complaining and not move forward to pleading, what would that do to our hearts? And so this is a necessary step. So as we do that, we, we need to continue to ask boldly. We need to plead. And so uh, verse 1 of chapter 5, Remember, O Lord, what has befallen us. Look and see our disgrace. Verse 16, The crown has fallen from our heads. Woe to us, for we have sinned. Verse 21, Restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew us of the, of the days of old. And so what do we ask for in those verses? What does he ask for? Well, one is in Psalm ten twelve that God would rise up, that he would do something. In fact, that he might do anything, that he would intercede, that he would grant us help, that he would remember his covenant, this faithfulness. And so part of this is just simply asking the question, who do you say that God is? Is God able to move every mountain? Is God able to grant us hope and help? Is his covenant faithful? Is his covenant based on you and your circumstance? Or is his covenant based on him and what he's done on the cross? So we can ask boldly. There's a couple different camps of Christianity. Uh, I'm of the uncomfortable camp. Perhaps you are too. It makes me uncomfortable when people ask things too bold for my own faith. And then I'm left with wrestling. Lord, I believe, but I guess help my unbelief. Because this person is praying in such a way where they really truly believe that what they're asking for is going to happen. And God, I've got to be honest, I've got my doubts. I'm not saying you can't. I'm just saying I've got my doubts. And so we're left with this uncomfortable tension between who God is and who he says he is and what he's capable of. And so we need to ask boldly, remembering his covenant, the next section of these here, that he would have justice be done. that he would not remember our sin, that he would restore us. It's okay to pray things like this, Psalm 83, 16 through 18. Fill their faces with shame that they may seek your name, O Lord. Let them be put to shame and dismayed forever. Let, their, let them perish in disgrace that they may know that you alone, whose name is the Lord, are the most high over all the earth. Some of you lament because you have been wounded grievously by other people. Bringing that before the Lord and, and allowing him to deal with that justly according to his justice is, is okay. But we, we have to understand it's up to God to act justly. And that might mean that those people who harmed us grievously 
find faith, and then are then forgiven. And that's okay in the cross. Which should also lead us to, Lord, don't remember my sin. Psalm 51, by the way, if you are seeking repentance for something, and it's something that's been weighing on you for a while, I would encourage you, write down right now Psalm 51, or mark it in your Bible, and go to God with that in your own still, quiet place, pray through the text, take it verse by verse, and just allow your heart to be poured out before God like David did. But he starts in this Psalm 51, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, that covenantal love, according to the abundance mercy, blot out my transgressions. Remember what we said, come humbly before him. So if you're going to pray for justice to be done, then be careful with what you pray. Let us remember that if justice were to be done to us and not mercy and grace through faith, that we too would be suffering. We would be perishing like the wicked because we too are wicked. And then also to restore us. God's perfect future plan of restoration, Psalm 80, verse 3, Restore us, O God, let your face shine us upon us that we may be saved. Remember we talked about this, but this is not the end. There is a continuation. So this next section of the last three for the nine is to listen to us, to teach us, and to vindicate us. Now I'm taking all these out of Psalms, different Psalms. But sometimes, if you're anything like me, you have to pray, God, listen to me, because it feels like your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling or like they're made of brick and they just come out of your mouth and hit the floor in front of you. Psalm 28, 1 through 2, To you, O Lord, I call my rock. Do not be deaf to me, lest if you be silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. Hear my voice. For my pleas for mercy when I cry to you for help, when I lift up my hands towards you, most, your most holy sanctuary. Or teach me. Do you, do, you, do you know at the beginning I said that lament is actually an opportunity for us? It's an opportunity for us to grow. Psalm 86.11, teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Psalm 143.10, teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. (coughs) Paul learned this, 2 Corinthians. He says, three times I asked God to remove this from me, and instead the answer was, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. He says, therefore I boast all the more gladly for my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And then lastly, like we talked about here, is this vindication. We pray all these things so that we can seek to not become bitter. That's why I started at the beginning of this James Montgomery Boyce. He said, you know, we need to ask these things. We need to bring these things. It's better that they're, I'm going to paraphrase them now. It's better to get it all out in the open than to have it bottled up, isn't it? And if anybody can take it, is it not our God, our creator? If he knows every hair on your head, if he knows every word that you're going to speak before it's even uttered or just in your heart, you might as well say it anyway. You might as well just bring it out. It's not, it's not as if you're pu- pulling the divine wool over his eyes. I mean, let's just be real. And so bringing these things before him is the best means of dealing with this. And then again, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us in our weaknesses. 
And so the second part of that is verse 16. So it says, so then let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so the last part of this, this was the super triple P. I only gave you one on your paper. I trust that you can put them all in there. Uh, The triple P is practicing patient perseverance. We need to choose to trust. I don't know if you're familiar uh, with all of his songs that he's written. Probably not, but I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with this one. There is a fountain filled with blood. If you know that, that was written by William Cooper. Uh, he wrote another one, and I'm going to read it to you right now. And, and people think that this might have been his last hymn. I, I don't know. The title of it is God Moves in Mysterious Ways. Just curious, show of hands, does anybody, is anybody familiar with this in particular hymn? Good. Here it goes. I'll do my best to like rhyme it the way I think it is. God moves in a mysterious way. His wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Deep in unfathomable minds of never-failing skill, he treasures up his bright designs and works his sovereign will. Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds ye so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Blind unbelief is sure to err and scan his work in vain. God is his own interpreter, and he will make it plain. Trust means to have active patience on our Lord. Trust means a faith in the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Trust is wise words in Proverbs that says that we should trust the Lord with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding. So we need to pursue the Lord even in the face of our lament. We can protest, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? This is from Psalm 13. How long must I take counsel from my soul and sorrow and the heart all day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? We need to plead, consider and answer me, O Lord. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Let my enemies say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my, force, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken and we need to practice patient perseverance but I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Lamentations 5. Remember, O Lord, what has befallen us. Look and see our disgrace. But you, O Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures to all generations. Therefore, restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew us to the days of old. But Lamentations ends on verse 22. But the interesting part of that is Lamentations isn't the end of Scripture, is it? 
So our lament might end in verse 22, but that's why we need to remember the gospel. So we can trust because of his past faithfulness, not only to Israel, but also to us. We can trust God in his pleasant, present plan. It probably is pleasant long term, but sometimes we struggle with that. Because we know that he is still on his throne, he reigns, and he will work all things for, for good. In fact, all the promises of God find their yes in Christ. We can trust God for his future blessing to restore us. We can trust, as I said before, that he is not finished. He is still working. In fact, that he is going to prepare a place for you. And if it were not so, then he would not have told you that. And so this is not your period. This is your semicolon. And so as we learn to lament through Scripture, we need to understand that Scripture is full of pain. And yet, we need to keep praying and pursuing our King. We can bring our concerns and our protests before him. We can ask boldly, pleading that he would act on our behalf, and we can choose to trust, practicing patient perseverance because of all of the good that he has done and because Christ was crucified. And if God has not given Christ all things, will he surely withhold anything from you? And the course, the answer is absolutely not, but all in good time, my friend. All in good time. Let's pray. God, our Father in heaven, this is a weighty topic. And so we ask for your help. We ask for your perseverance. We ask for your trust. God, we believe, but help our unbelief. Help us in our finite nature to see you clearly through your spirit.